All right, let's dive into the Word today. Are you ready? Last week, we kicked off a new series entitled Dreamers, Dreamers. Um, I, I want to be a guy who at the end of my life has spent it chasing the dreams that God has given me and, and placed in my heart. I'm excited for it. We, we started our series in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 20. And I just give you a, re- a quick recap of the sermon, but I challenge you to go listen to it and get it in your spirit and allow it to stir things up in you. There was also a man named Benaiah. He was a valiant warrior. Here's what he did. He did many heroic deeds, included ki- including killing two champions of Moab. But another time, on a snowy day, he chased a lion down into the pit and he killed it. That was a bad man. And, 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 and life for us is much the same way. One courageous act changed this man's future. For you and I, we, we may be one courageous act away from the future we've always wanted. Uh, one idea, one risk, one decision from just a totally different life. You don't know where you are. You, you may be closer than you think. We're going to talk about that a little bit more than today, but I'm challenging you to be a lion chaser, to chase big dreams in your life, chase scary dreams in your life. If your dream doesn't scare you just a little, it's probably too small, right? Then we, then we read from Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more, than all we ask or imagine. I love that word imagine there. All you can dream up, all you can think up, he's able to do more than that. So as big as your dream may be, God is bigger than that and he's already able to do it according to the power, to his power that is already at work within you. You have the power of God inside of you to accomplish every dream that he's placed in your heart. But chasing dreams, as a believer, as a child of God, it starts with knowing the dream giver. Three things. Number one, God is a dreamer. We were made in his image. We dream because God dreamed. You were a dream of God, and he wants to place dreams in your heart. Number two, dreams are part of the language of the Holy Spirit. They're part of how he speaks to us. When he pours out his spirit, young men will see visions. Old men will dream dreams. We're going to see things that are not, see things that have not come into being. We're going to dream things when the Holy Spirit moves in your life. Number three, God knows that epic stories require epic conflict. Epic stories require epic conflict. God is setting us up for a huge win. He's setting you up so that your story is written in the history books and people are talking about you. That's what he wants to do in your life. So don't be discouraged. And I want to continue on on this thought today. I want to pick up right here. Uh, Because in between where you are today and living out the life and the dreams that you've wanted to, there are dream killers that are trying to keep you from getting there. There are problems, obstacles, people, critics, setbacks, mistakes, emotions, lack, uh, just issues of all kinds that are trying to keep you from getting you to where, where God wants you to be. The enemy doesn't want you to reach your dreams for fear that you might give God the glory and others might come to know him. 
So he's trying to keep you from it. He's, he doesn't want you to live in the promises of God. He doesn't want you to live in the blessings of God. No, he's trying to keep you down and keep you back. So he puts dream killers in your way. If, you're, if reaching your dreams was easy, then everybody would do it. But because it's not easy, we tend to give up and go to Disney World and enjoy another man's dream. I'm not knocking Disney World. It's a long time to stand in line to ride around in a boat and look at dogs. But my point is this. Reaching dreams is difficult. Jumping into the pit with that lion was not an easy thing. If it were easy, then we would all be saying, yeah, I'd have jumped in that pit after that lion. No. No. Let me ask you this. Do you tend to avoid situations where the odds are stacked against you? Do you, do you tend to avoid situations where, man, it's not looking good for you? If you do, then you're robbing God of the opportunity to do something supernatural in your life. If you always stay within the bounds of what you can do on your own, what you can create on your own, what you can accomplish on your own, then you are robbing God for the opportunity of the opportunity to do something supernatural in your life. When was the last time you attempted to do something that was destined to fail without divine intervention? When was the last time? You, you don't have to raise your hand and tell me, but in your own mind, when was the last time you can honestly say, yeah, I tried that and I was destined to fail unless God intervened. And maybe you failed and maybe you didn't. I can tell you that there are times in my life when I have tried this, there are times when he came through and there were times when I fell flat on my face and I went, well, I must have missed God. <laughs> but that's not going to stop me from keeping on taking risks and going after God and going after my dreams. A few years ago, probably six or eight years ago now, I read a book uh, by Pastor Jim Cimbala, who, who is the pastor of Brooklyn Tabernacle in Brooklyn, New York. Powerful church there. And the book is called uh, Fresh Wind and Fresh Fire. Fresh Wind and Fresh Fire. He made this statement in it that just resonates with me. See what you think about it. He said, I despaired at the thought that my life might slip by without seeing God show himself mightily on our behalf. Well, that really stuck with me. I, I, I despair. I worry that I might go through my life not having given God the opportunity to show himself mightily, to show himself big and strong. Or, I don't ever want to get to the place where I say, God used to show up big in my life, but now I'm just living out my days on my own. No, I'm going to continue to push myself in the direction that I am dependent upon the power of God to work on my behalf. Can I challenge you in the same way? In fact, can I present to you an idea? This is a, a bold idea. It's a challenging idea. It may be a new idea. It may upset some of you because there are people that could listen to this and say, well, Pastor Raymond, that's a very prideful statement. Okay, maybe it is, but when you really get a perspective of God, it might change it. And here, here's the bold statement I want to make to you. I'm convinced of this. 
that God wants my dreams to come true. God wants my dreams to come true. He wants my dreams to come true. He's not working against me. He's not trying to stop me. He's trying to work things out for me so that my dreams will come through. Now, that's a bold statement to make. That's a strong statement to make. You say, Pastor Ron, that's a very prideful statement. You, you know, no, no. I, I really believe that about God. He wants what's best for me. He made me to dream, and he said, I can do anything more than you ever dreamt or imagined. All you've got to do is just ask and go after it, and I'm going to work on your behalf. How can I know that? How can I be so confident? Because, you know, the truth is, some of our dreams are not good. Some of our dreams are not from God. Uh, but I'm not really talking about those because I make it a habit in my life to dream God-sized and God-type dreams. So how do I know that God wants me to, to reach my dreams? Well, I run it through a few questions. Can I give you some of them? You see if these apply to, to whatever dream it is that's in your heart right now. Maybe what you've been thinking about this week, since our sermon last week, even this morning. How do I know? How do I know that if God wants my dream to come through? Number one. Is it opposed to Scripture? If your dream is opposed to Scripture, that's not a God dream. God wants your dreams to come through, and He wants to speak with you through the language of the Holy Spirit, but He's not going to tell you to do something in opposition to Scripture. So you've got to determine, is my dream opposed to Scripture? If you're a man here, and you're wife loves you and your kids loves you and you've had a good marriage you just want to upgrade for a younger version I mean, that's probably not a God dream and I would not say of you that God wants your dream to come true I mean, <laughs> like that's just not the case I use that as an illustration but my point is this if if there is a scripture that that speaks against what you're wanting to do that's not a God dream number two is it harmful in some way? Is my dream going to cause harm to my, myself, my family, the people around me, my world? Because if it's going to cause harm, that's not really in, in now he might want to cause harm to the enemy, to the devil, right? We're trying to tell down his kingdom. But if the people in your life, if the, if the people in your community are going to be harmed in some way, it may not be from God. Number three, um, can I accomplish it without divine help? It's not going to be a God dream if you can't do it without God. Can I accomplish it without divine help? And then number four is this. How does God feel about it? How does God feel about it? And so if God, some dreams God placed in your heart, some dreams are things that you imagine, and they both can be okay. But the, the question is, how does he feel about it? Did he speak it to you? If he didn't speak it to you, how does he feel about it? So when you, per se, get into prayer, what is God saying to you? When you're thinking about it this morning, while we're here in the presence of God, the Word of God's being preached, and, and, the, and the songs have been uh, sung, and, and God is here, how do you feel? Is there something in you that's saying, I'm not sure this is what God wants me to do, uh, that this doesn't quite feel right? I mean, I'm not talking about fear to, to jump in the pit with a lion, but something in you is, is, is the Holy Spirit checking you, saying, that's not what I'm supposed to be doing. Or do you feel energy and excitement do you feel motivated? Do you feel like you feel j just something within you saying, I can go do this? That's, that's probably the Holy Spirit working with you to take you out and, and help you uh, accomplish your dreams. So I say without equivocation that, that, that the dreams in my life, God wants me to accomplish them. I may not get them all done, but he wants me to. So how do we dream God's way? 
and what dream killers can we expect? I can tell you this, we could preach an entire series, four, five, six weeks just on dream killers and not cover them all. So I just want to give you five of them really quickly today, but more importantly, importantly than that, I want to encourage you at the end of this sermon today that you can overcome every dream killer no matter what it is. Okay, so I'm going to give you some principles from the Word of God, but let's just give five very quickly. Let's begin in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1. I will climb up to my watchtower and stand post and stand at my guard post. There I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. Then the Lord said to me, write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. This vision is for a future time. It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. Everybody say, it will be. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently for it will surely take place it will not be delayed father i thank you for your presence that's here today i thank you that you're inspiring us you're encouraging us you're helping us to know that you not only do you have dreams for us but we can accomplish those dreams and you want to work on our behalf lord i pray that you would open our hearts our minds our spirits to hear from you to be challenged by the power of your word to know what dreams are of you and what dreams are not and, and Lord, I'm asking you to speak to me today. Let my words not be mere words of man's wisdom, but lace them with the power of the Holy Spirit. Give me clarity of mind and clarity of thought to hear what you are saying. In Jesus' name we pray. And the people said, amen. Five dream killers. These dream killers can demotivate you. They can mess you up. Here's the first one. The first one is distraction. Distraction. Distraction can get you off base before you ever get started. Now, I want to, as we go through these, I'm going to try to be very clear because some of them will sound similar, but if you listen to what I'm saying, you might find which specific dream killer you're dealing with and know how to defeat him. You see, as we're walking through life, we're trying to hear God. We're trying to dream. We're trying to see what he wants from us, but the enemy is trying to distract us from hearing that voice of God. You see, distraction, when, I, when I'm talking about distraction, I am talking about the enemy getting in before the dream has a chance to take root. The noise of our lives is so loud that we can't hear what God is saying. Remember, dreams are the language of the spirit. We can't hear, we can't see. We don't know what dream to dream because we're so distracted with what's going on in the world. We're so busy working, working, working that we cannot hear what God is saying and we're distracted. That's what the enemy is trying to do. I think about this. I'm trying to get my kids' attention and maybe they're watching TV or maybe they're playing a game or whatever they are. And you're trying to give them instructions that could help them, right? My son, he's nine years old. I don't know if you have a nine-year-old son, but mine is always hungry at all times. Son, are you hungry? Yes, sir. When was the last time you ate? Just a few minutes ago. When was the last time you ate before that? I don't know. A few minutes before that. I, he's just always hungry, okay? So I could be telling him, Randy, it's dinner time. We've got your favorite meal cooked. He's starving to death, been complaining about being starving, and I'm trying to give him the information he's looking for, the words he's looking for, that it's dinner time, and yet I can't get his attention because he's distracted working on other things. 
And we can do the same thing to God. Complaining about our life. God, I want more. God, I need this. God, I do that. And God's trying to get our attention, but we're distracted. And this dream killer, he's messing us up before we ever get going. You know, the Bible teaches um, that, that we ought to institute or it commands that we institute a Sabbath in our life. Sabbath is every seventh day you rest. You don't do work. Now, Jewish culture took it to extreme and wouldn't allow you to do anything. I mean, you couldn't, couldn't even maybe flip on a light switch, for that would be considered work. We went too far with that. Jesus addressed it uh, in his ministry. But the principle is correct that our bodies, our lives, our minds, our hearts, our emotions, all of us, God created us in such a way that every seventh day we need to rest. And here's the deal. In the Jewish culture, not only are you commanded to rest on the seventh day, it is considered prideful and arrogant towards God to work seven days straight. Now, I know in your life, sometimes your job, you don't have a choice. Maybe you're working seven twelves, things like that. But when we're able to control it, here's what it was considered, prideful and arrogant. Because here's, here's what the Bible teaches us. Bible teaches us that, listen, you can get more work done in six days if you'll rest on the seventh than if you try to work all seven. You can get eight days worked in six days and have a day of rest, have a day to spend with your family, have a day to dream again, have a day to hear from God, have a day to come here with us and worship God. You can get eight days work in six days if you'll give God the seventh and allow your mind, body, soul, spirit to rest. It's considered, it's considered prideful and arrogant not to. Like you know more than God knows. And I don't think you mean to do that. I don't think I mean to do that. But that's, that's what's going on. Maybe we need to repent of working too hard. Now, some of us might need to repent of not working hard enough. <laughs> some of you are like, Pastor, you think I can get eight days work in four days? <laughs> no, listen, they work six-day work weeks. They work very hard in Jewish culture. They still do. Uh, they work very hard, but they always take the seventh day to rest. Look at your life. Now, I, I, as I said, sometimes we can't help it. There's no way. But are you making the exception the rule in your life, or do you need to rest? Why? Because here's, here's what Habakkuk did to clear the distortion. He was in a bad place. He was being distracted. So what did he do? He said, I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guard post. What does that mean? Listen, he literally got above the noise, above the drama, above the problem, above the work that was going on, above everything so he could hear God. He had to separate himself. If you say, Pastor Brandon, I don't really have a dream. I don't really know what I'm supposed to be doing. I, I'm just so distracted. I don't even have time to think about all that. Maybe you need to go to the watchtower. Maybe you need to go to the prayer closet. Maybe you need to just get alone and worship and let God speak into your heart. If dreams are the language of the Holy Spirit, maybe you need to position yourself to hear from the Holy Spirit. Distractions, their design is to kill your dream before it ever gets started. To hear God's voice, to dream big dreams, you have to turn down the world's volume. So I want to speak this over your life. I declare over your life and mine that the dream killer of distraction is being quieted and God is going to be able to speak clearly and you're going to know exactly what he's saying. Number two is confusion. So now 
you heard what God said, but the next thing that the enemy wants to do is he wants to confuse you so you don't understand what he was saying. Well, you don't, you don't, you don't get it. Have you ever had someone trying to explain something to you? Maybe they were talking to you and they're using big hand gestures and maybe they're trying to draw things out on paper and you're just sitting there very confused and you're looking at them and you hear what they're saying, but you don't understand it. And then finally you get to that moment. Maybe they said it in just the right way. Maybe they drew it on paper. Maybe they showed you a picture on the internet, whatever it was. And, and suddenly you said these words, oh, I see what you're saying. It's that moment of clarity, that moment of understanding that cuts through the confusion, and now you're able to communicate. That's what the enemy is trying to do. So we're hearing from God, and we hear the words that he's saying. We see the dream that he's telling us to dream, but it doesn't make sense to us, and we don't understand it, and it's very confusing. That is the dream killer of confusion that's trying to step into the process and say, nope, you're not going to move forward because you don't even know how to do it. You don't even understand. Maybe you can relate. I know that I can. So here's, here's what Habakkuk said on how to deal with that. He said, there, when he gets to his watchtower, I will wait to see what the Lord says. Notice he says, I'm going to wait and I'm going to see what he says. I love that. He's seeing what he's saying with his ears. Right? Like, like, what is that, God? But isn't that what understanding comes to when we said, like I said a moment ago, you have that moment where you say, oh, I see what you're saying. It's right here. This is what Habakkuk said. So suddenly with our heart, we see it. Suddenly with our mind, we understand it. There's a recognition of what God is doing. I'm challenging you to see with your heart eyes, see with your spirit eyes so that you can understand. But the key is Habakkuk said, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait here, God. I'm going to stay in your presence until I have a clear understanding. Confusion wants you to give up, not get it. So, so you, you need to give up and get out of the way. I love this verse in Proverbs 29 and 18. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. If you can't see it and you can't understand it, we're stumbling all over ourselves. It's not that we aren't trying to follow God. It's that we can't see it. We don't know what God is doing. We don't understand. So we stumble all over ourselves. But when we get it, when we attend to it, when we follow what he's revealed, this understanding that we have, they are most blessed. So I speak these words over you today. I declare over your life and mine that the dream killer of confusion is being defeated and that you are going to see and understand through supernatural revelation and that you are blessed. Can I get an amen this morning? So, so first we didn't know what to do because we were too distracted to hear. Then we heard and there was confusion that set in. But So now we've overcome that. Uh, that leads us to the third one, which is busyness. Busyness, just too busy to do it. I know what I'm supposed to do. I, I've heard from God. I'm not confused about it. I just don't have time to do it. I'm so busy doing other things. I, I, I'm so busy chasing other things. This is where the dream killer of busyness comes in. When you're so busy, you don't have time to do it. Does any of you just have tons of extra time on your hands? Because, I mean, if, if you're willing to raise your hand right now, I can tell you a lot of places you can volunteer during the week here at Triumph, and, and we'd be happy to help you uh, not get have idle hands. I wouldn't want you to do that. So, 
No, all of us are busy. The pace of our culture is very, very quick. It's running very, very fast. It's, it's progressing very, very quick. And to stay with it, you've got to move, 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 move. And so busyness can take over. But writing down our dreams is what Habakkuk said to do. If you go to verse 2, he said, Then the Lord said to me, Write the answer plainly on tablets. New King James. If any of you grew up reading that like I did, write the vision and make it plain. Write it down. You, you know, I, I like to make lists in my life. I don't know if you are, if you are list people. Anybody list people in here? Write to-do lists. To-do lists are wonderful things. They only take a minute, but they're fabulous. Why? Because they remind you of what you're supposed to be doing so you don't forget. Number two, they keep you focused on the right things. And uh, number three, they'll allow you to schedule your day and your time in order of value, what's most important. Otherwise, you, you non-list people that didn't raise your hand, I'm going to be pray for you because you're just going at life as, you, as it comes. <laughs> I'm kidding with you. Lists are a wonderful thing, but, but I believe that's what, that's what God is saying right here. He's saying, listen, write it down. Because when you start getting too busy, it brings you back here. It focuses you. It gets you back on it. That's why I keep in my, in my uh, notes, my bucket list stays there all the time because life can get away from me. And you know what? You can look up and make all the New Year's resolutions in the world, and it'll be another year by, and you'll be making the same resolutions and won't have made any process, progress. It's not that you weren't busy all year. It's that you got busy doing the wrong Harvard did a study, and they said that 60% of people don't even have goals. Then they said this, of the 60% or 40% that do have goals, or out of the total number of people, uh, 3% of people actually write their goals down. 3%. 3% of us write our goals down, and I'm, I'm one of them. I was challenged by this study, and I'm not going to let it happen to me again. I write my goals down, 3%. But here's the thing about that, and this is the most powerful part. Harvard says that 100% of the 3% who wrote them down, 100% of them accomplished some or all of their goals. And you can say, well, you know, Stephen Covey made that up or some other great business leader. No, 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 no. God spoke it right here. Write the vision. Write down what I'm telling you. Write down the dream. Make it plain. Get it down on paper. You don't have to share it to the whole world. You don't have to write a blog about it, but write it down so you know where it's at and you can read it. It can stay in front of your face and busyness won't take over your life. Write down something that seems risky. Write down something that will fail without God. Write down something that you're afraid to share with others. Write down and dream something that will make a difference on the earth today. So, I declare over your life and mine. Are you okay this morning? I declare over your life and mine that the dream killer of busyness is being defeated and that life is not going to get away from you and that you are in control and God is giving you the time and the resources to complete the vision that you have written down. Number four, number four, number four, procrastination, procrastination. So <laughs> uh, call on his name, somebody. So, so procrastination. This is a this is a serious one. So we 
we figured out what to do. We got over the confusion. Uh, we're not making excuses about time anymore, or maybe we are. We, we have the time to do it. We're just putting it off for tomorrow. We're just waiting for, I'm waiting for the perfect time, Pastor. I've got to wait for the, for the time to be right. Everything is going to come together, and then I'm going to pull the trigger, and I'm going to go. It's 17 years later. We can make all the excuses in the world that we don't have time, but, but oftentimes, that's just simply not the case. We don't make time. If you have time, what are you doing with your time? Are you making time to accomplish dreams, or are you just spending your time as it comes? What are you doing with your time? It's hard and it's difficult, and it's going to cost us something. And we're already so weary from life's other responsibilities. You get home and you're exhausted. And you got kids and you have to do homework and you have to uh, feed them. And you have to make sure they bathe. And there's like all these rules and things that people want you to do. Or they judge you if your kid's smelly. And so, <laughs> y'all know what I'm talking about, right? And, and so you have all these things, and then, and then you get done with kids, and you're trying to focus on your spouse, and the next thing you know, you're completely exhausted, and another day's gone, and another day's gone. And so I'll just wait. I'm too tired to work on my dream. I'm too tired to do something with this project. I'm too tired to move the ball forward. And we push it over, and we push it over, and we push it over. Let me just tell you this. You do not have an endless supply of tomorrows. You do not have an endless supply of tomorrows. Here's what he said. He said, I want you to write it down so that a runner can carry the correct message. You, you've got to get busy running. You've got to get busy doing something. You can't accomplish it all in one day, but you can get busy doing something. Stop putting off foot for tomorrow what you could do today because tomorrow's, it will always be tomorrow until there are no more tomorrows. Ecclesiastes 11.4 says this, Farmers who wait for the perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, they never harvest. If you're waiting for the perfect time, you'll never plant. Well, it's this, it's too windy, it's too wet, it's too dry, it's too this, it's too that, it's too hot, it's too cold. I don't know what to do. And so you never plant. And if you never plant, you're never going to harvest. If you watch every cloud, what he's meaning there is the harvest is growing. But when you grow like hay, for instance, my father and I, or my father mostly and I helped. No, that's not, that's just, I just did manual labor. <laughs> but he was growing hay. When you cut the hay, you have to cut it and allow it to dry for a couple of days, and then you bale it, right? And so you're always watching the weather. When, when am I going to have the right window? But at some point, it could rain at any point at any time, so you just have to make your best bet and go with it. Make your best guess and get out there and cut it. And if you, if you lose your hay, you lose your hay, but you still have to try to harvest. And so here's what procrastination does. It, first off, we don't want to plant because we're so busy waiting for the right time, the perfect weather. And then when it is time to harvest, and we could actually accomplish a dream. All we've got to do is the one last step to bring it all in. No, we're just, I'm waiting for the right time. The pieces aren't in place yet. And God's going, just cut the hay already. I declare that the dream killer of procrastination is being rendered powerless. And that supernatural energy and motivation is coming into your life to accomplish every dream that God has given you and to do it today. So we get through all these and we're finally the place we're ready to start running and then the enemy steps in with discouragement. 
because there are things that are out of our control and we're pushing and we're working and yet things aren't coming together. The, the vision is delaying. Here's what Habakkuk said. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. He understood this. God was speaking. He understood. He said, there are times in your life when the runner's running, you're doing everything you can, but the dream is still being delayed. And it's in that delay that the dream killer of discouragement sets in. Because it's been too long. It's not going to happen for you. But I want to tell you this. Opportunity often knocks unannounced. You may be in the middle of the delay. And if you give up today, tomorrow could have been the day that opportunity was knocking on your door. You never know when it's coming your way. So don't be discouraged. Don't give up. Hebrews 10.36, you need to persevere. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. Keep doing the will of God. Keep persevering. You will receive everything that he's promised. So I declare over your life and mine that the dream killer of discouragement that has tried to convince you to abandon your dreams has been defeated and that confidence and perseverance are being deposited into your heart and mind that God will do everything he has promised to do in your life in Jesus' name. Now, let me encourage you with this and we're going to sing a song and, and I'm going to close, but let me encourage you with this. The Bible says in Psalm 37, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fail. They will never fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. God is directing your steps. He's directing my steps. When things don't seem to be working out, He is working on your behalf. He is working for your good. He's pulling all these things together. God is working this massive chess match called your life. You're not the grand chess master. He is. He's working pieces. Some pieces, but the, the problem is some moves, we, we want the, the checkmate move all the time. We want the taking the queen move all the time. We want the big move that mo breaks the game open, but sometimes it's just moving a pawn. Sometimes it's just setting up. Sometimes there's sacrificial moves where you have to give something up in order for God to do something bigger. You don't know where you are in the process, but I want to encourage you today that if you're following God, you're going after Him. He's directing your steps and He's working on your behalf.